This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the rock and roll fantasy camp you've been waiting for. Celebrating 40 years of Van Halen's 1984, plus rats out of the cellar and more. It's high voltage rock and roll, March 14th through 17th in Hollywood, California. Celebrate and perform the music of Van Halen, Skid Row, Rat, and Whitesnake with Michael Anthony, Sebastian Bach, Warren Demartini, and Tommy Aldridge. It's a rock and roll fantasy camp that you just can't miss. Welcome to episode seven of Rock Camp, the podcast, the official podcast of Rock and Roll Fantasy Camp. Miles Schumann here, been coming to Rock and Roll Fantasy Camp my whole life. David Fishoff and Britt Lightning here with me. You know, that song that you hear at the beginning of every Rock Camp, the podcast episode, people might be wondering what that is. That's Randy Bachman from Bachman Turner Overdrive. He actually wrote a song for Rock and Roll Fantasy Camp. Before we get into everything, how did you get him to do that? Well, Randy, a friend for many years, I've been, it was in Ringo's band, and he toured with me for, with BTO and Bachman Turner. I, had, I used to put these packages together of 70s, so he, I've had a long relationship with him. And he came, he was in London, and he texted me and said, David, I'm in London, can I come by and see your camp? He came by to our camps and, in London, and he did a master class, just wanted to talk about songwriting. And it was really brilliant, and he just hung out there and had a great time. And I told him that I was doing a series with Mark Burnett. He said, I want to write the theme song. And he, you know, songwriting. So he wrote the theme song, and I sent it in to Burnett. And I think Mark got a little nervous that, you know, they pay a songwriter, and, you know, they're on such a budget. So I held the song. Randy was really, he was upset because he figured, wow, I wrote this great song. But then when the documentary came out, I went back to him. And I said, can I 
buy the rights to that. And of course, and it's a great song. He it's wrote it. It's a great it. song. It's a we great song. Yeah. yeah. How cool to have the Rock and Roll Fantasy Camp theme song be written by a rock legend. By a rock legend. A guy who, who man, he nailed those songs. So you're taking care of business. And, yeah. I mean, all that yeah. Guess Who stuff is just amazing. And Bachman Turner Overdrive and... He's an amazing songwriter, and, and it's got that it. it's got that great catchy chorus. Join the rock and roll. It's yeah. very similar to the He's other BTO songs, yeah. which you know, as a, as a songwriter yourself, Britt, and you know, Desmond Child always emphasizes the chorus. You need that powerful chorus, which you guys do. I mean, Vixen put out a song recently. It's got that strong chorus in the red. And, maybe I'm messing up the lyrics, ah, thanks. but thanks, that but, sounded good. Yeah, you could be a backup singer. Yeah, yeah. Backup, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, good. But you know, put your the, dress on. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'll save it for the next women's camp. Yeah, perfect. but the, that chorus is the most important part of a song isn't it it is you got to have it something that sticks in people's heads so they were walking away wanting more i want to hear that again i got to hear that again it's in my head right exactly well you always get to hear cool stuff at rock and roll fantasy camp and one thing that you always get to hear is you, you might have a chance to hear some news that hasn't been broken yet we've had many instances of news big news in the rock world being broken at rock and roll fantasy camp which means the campers get to hear it before the rest of the world does and you know the last appearance is by some of these great legends you know yeah. lemmy's and I mean, Ginger Baker's last appearance was at Rock and Roll Fantasy Camp. Every photo that came out on his death and, and it's, you know, it's all credit Rock and Roll Fantasy Camp because, you know, he made his last appearance there. Right. And we're going to get into the whole story a little later this episode of Ginger coming to camp because there's a lot of good stuff there. But I want to go over a couple examples of news that's been broken at Rock and Roll Fantasy Camp. In fact, we just at this last camp that we did, the Metal Mania Camp, we had some big news broken afterwards when Mike Portnoy, you know, for the first time talked about rejoining Dream Theater. I guess during the pandemic, yeah, I, I reconnected with John Petrucci. Once we were in lockdown, all of my 87 bands couldn't tour and Dream Theater couldn't tour. John Petrucci was doing a solo album and he asked me to play on it. And and then from there, we decided we wanted to do another LTV album, which is with Jordan Brutus. And then uh, shortly after that, John asked me to go on tour with him. So it just seems like, you know, that the, you've been kind of reconnecting through the last few years. and. You know, we have such a long history, almost 40 years now together, and our families grew up together, our wives, our wives played in a band together, and our kids grew up together, so um, honestly, it, it just felt like it was, you know, the right thing in the right time. That was pretty cool for everybody to hear, wasn't it? That was very cool, and actually, that yeah, all the news outlets picked it up from us they because did. Camper recorded it and put it out there on social media. So that was that was amazing. Right. Every camp is going to be rock and roll history one day. That's right. So this is going to be, besides us talking about it, there'll be. There's a camper just wrote a book about his life experience at mm -hmm. camp. Scott Leifer. So many people, you know, it's part history. Exactly. But it's so cool because the campers become like reporters. You get to ask them first the questions that nobody knows about yet. I, right. I remember calling Miles. Did you release that? Not me. Yeah. The camper did it. Yeah. <laughs> I said, next time, though, I'm going to. Next time, it's got to be us. <laughs> but now, here's an example of news that was broken at camp. In 2018, Paul Stanley came to camp, and people had been wondering, is there going to be another Kiss record? In fact, the time before when he came to camp, he said, yes, I think we want to do another. This time, he came to camp, and he said, Kiss is never going to do another studio record. We don't need to do it. Let's go ahead and listen to that clip right now. Look, it's a different time now, and no matter, I could write Let It Be. And people would still say, that's great, now play Detroit Rock City. <laughs> so, and I understand it because when songs have a history with you, they're kind of like a snapshot of a time in your life. And that's not something that anything can, can take the place of overnight. It's um, interesting that, that uh, I think Modern Day Delilah or Hell or Hallelujah are as good as anything we did 
But I understand that, that people are more connected to those old mm -hmm. classic songs. I understand it. Look, if you if you put on a live video concert of any band, if you put on McCartney, if you put on the Stones, and you turn off the volume, I will tell you every time they're playing a new song because the audience sits down. You know, it's always interesting that people say, when are you going to turn out new material? But when those acts or, or any classic act turns out new material, people tolerate it. They, they're asking you to do it, and they're asking you to produce it, but at the same time, they really don't want it. So at some point, I go, really, what's the point? So uh, unless it's something that's fulfilling for me, to go back in the studio just to record new KISS material, um, I think everything we've done so far speaks, speaks volumes and, and it's enough of a legacy. And this is a problem that we see with these bands a lot where it's not always worth it to write a new record, right? We hear that all the time. You know, why did you guys decide to continue to put out new music? Well, you know, we went the single route this time instead of doing a whole record because it is a single business currently right now. And when you do go to the shows, people do want to hear the hits that they're familiar with. They want that. And especially, you know, we're a band from the 80s. They want that nostalgia. Bring me back to my high school when I was rocking out to this song after my graduation or, you know. But I think it's really important to continue to put out new music to show the fans that you care and that you're still passionate about your craft and you're still working at it and that you want to give them something fresh and new and they can make new memories to that. But David, from a business perspective, does it make sense for these bands to make records anymore? They don't make money. No. First of all, they don't make money. But B, I think it's legitimacy and it justifies why I can go on tour and make millions upon yeah. millions of dollars. Like, do the Rolling Stones need to come out with that new album? No. But, you know, creatively, they, they do it because they want to show the world. First of all, they want to do new music. You know, it's it's, it's kind of, in their blood. They it's in their not. blood. Yeah. And then to do a new album, I can't tour without a new album. Why am I touring? I look like I'm touring just to take the money. So now I put out a new record. I'm the Who. I came out with a new song. And it gives, a, it gives the world a reason for them to tour. It's a right. good excuse. It's, yeah, yeah. It's something yeah. to promote and talk about. New right. news. Mm -hmm. But also I think it's cool because the new generation, I mean, there's young kids that are listening to the Rolling Stones now. Right. You know, yeah. so it gives them something new that came out in their time, then this album maybe can be theirs. Right. Right. But I, I have a philosophy. They wrote those songs. They were in a different area of their life or a different spot in their life. Or a different know? state of mind. Different state of mind. <laughs> yeah, That's yeah, really yeah. what I wanted to say. Yeah. You know, <laughs> I remember, you know, one of my artists, uh, he recorded a song, Don't Go Where the Road Don't Go. And I said, no one cares about that, you know. These kids want to, they want to hear, I want to go where the road don't go. Yeah. You know? yeah exactly. <laughs> That's what I want to imagine that, you know. But I think the bottom line, too, is creativity is what keeps these people alive, yeah. keeps musicians and artists of any kind alive. So the need to create is just inside. And if that stops, then you feel like you're dying. Right. Truly. And, and maybe that does, not only do they do it to justify their touring, but to your point, they need to get creative music out there. Mm -hmm. So yeah. even Motley Crue announced they're doing a new record. Right. And I think artists want, I think the fans like to see that the band is collaborating together and that they're still into it. And so, you know, I, I think in the end, I think it's great that they do stuff. And it, and it changes up the set list a little bit if you throw in some new stuff, too. Which it gives people a chance to go to the bathroom. Exactly. You know, nobody they wouldn't be able to go. <laughs> but as a musician, it's got to be a little bit more fun to have something new thrown into the mix after playing, you know, if you've, if you've had the same set list going Yeah, for you a while. can go on autopilot. Yeah. And so that kind of throws a monkey wrench in and it's like, oh, oh I got to practice. I, I remember you interviewing Paul Stanley. Yeah. And he turns to Paul Stanley and Brittany says, what about that fourth cut on that, uh, that obscure? 
obscure account. And, yeah. You know, <laughs> and, and, and Paul looks at him and says, that's why it's obscure. We're not doing that. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. He so, did the same with Bruce Kulick, by the way. Yeah. Are we going to get Bruce? You know, I'd love to see Bruce Kulick up on stage with you guys. And he goes, so would Bruce. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Uh, actually, Bruce mentioned that in the recently about how he wished he was part of those final shows. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Well, well the good news is history. he's coming back to Rock Camp now. He's coming that's back. That's right. We got the good news. We'll we got him back. Bruce. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right. This seems like a good time to take a break. Let's not stop the talk and we'll continue it right after this. Hello, Pantheon Podcast listeners. Christian Swain here to tell you more about my experience with Raycon earbuds. Our family now has three pairs of Raycon earbuds around the house. And my wife just grabbed a pair of the headphone pros to replace some headphones from a company that was double the price. And yes, she loves them. Now, if you haven't pulled the trigger on a pair of Raycons, or even if you have, but you're in the market for another pair because they're just that good, well, now is the time to check them out because they just launched their upgraded model of the best-selling everyday earbuds. With Raycon's upgraded everyday earbuds, now you also get active noise cancellation, ergonomic design, and multi-point connectivity that lets you pair with two devices at once. New quick charge function, three customizable sound styles plus awareness mode, available in a variety of vibrant new colors to complement any and all skin tones. I even have a pair of earbuds in a cool green color. I have tried just about every earbud known to humankind and these Raycons are fantastic. Seriously, if you've been wanting to check out Raycons, there truly is no better time. You're going to ask yourself why you didn't check them out sooner, and Raycon offers a 30-day happiness guarantee. So, what are you waiting for? Go to buyraycon.com pantheon today to get 20% off your Raycon order, plus free shipping. That's right, you'll get 20% off and free shipping at buyraycon.com pantheon. Buyraycon.com pantheon. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC. Yeah, that's big news recently that mm-hmm. KISS is finally, they've called it quits. Do we believe them? I guess that's a big I question. I do. I mean, I think finally I do believe them because they seem pretty serious about the Avatar thing. I mean, what do you guys think about that? I don't know that I really understand what it is yet. But... I don't think they understand what it is yet, but <laughs> yeah. they need yeah. to announce something. But Gene said they're investing $250 million into creating these avatars. But I guess Lucasfilms is behind it now, too, so oh, it could wow. be a big thing. I don't think said... Gene is investing $250 million. <laughs> yeah, but... Somebody's investing $250 million yeah. in Found somebody yeah. Doc McGee's <laughs> busy making calls as we speak. Yeah. Exactly. But I think it's a brilliant idea. Yeah. Well, it's a way, you know, because they had been talking about for a while, oh, maybe we turn Kiss into a blue man group type thing where you can go to any city and see Kiss. And it it's takes a, the magic out of it a bit. But this it's could, is, no, it could be a Broadway show. It could Broadway. be so much. Yeah. yeah. Actually, yeah. that's a great idea. Yeah, yeah. it should be a great yeah, Listen, they... They deserve Maybe it. Maybe that's what you need to do. You do, take it, take it on the. You did dirty dancing. Yeah, right. Take, <laughs> take, yeah, take Gene Simmons on the road. Yeah, yeah right. <laughs> Listen, it could be anybody playing that role. You know. Yeah, exactly. Right. Exactly. They're brilliant. They were brilliant. So that was big news that was broken at the camp. This next one, though, was one, Britt, you were hosting a master class when we were doing the COVID, the master classes mm. during COVID on Zoom. 
And Dave Mustaine from Megadeth came on, and he did a great master class. And during it, at the time, the new record, The Sick, The Dying, and The Dead, had not come out yet. And he actually met, he revealed the title for the first time. Nobody had heard the title. And somebody happened to be recording that master class on their iPhone just at that very minute. And it went out on Blabbermouth the next day, and it was big news. Tentative album title we have right now is called The Sick, The Dying, and The Dead. We may change that because there's some other titles, and I usually change the titles four or five times before I settle on anything. And actually, on that album's Wikipedia page, it says the album title was originally released at Rock and Roll Fantasy Camp. So oh, that's so cool. Wow. So that's I didn't know about the fun. Wikipedia. That's yeah. cool. Well, it's true, and I think another you know aspect of Rock Camp is the fact that it's it's just like a safe, comfortable space. So not only do campers feel okay out of their comfort zone and welcome, but so do rock stars. So they'll they will reveal things and say things because it's almost like they're hanging out talking among their friends and that's part of that magic yeah exactly well, i had meatloaf call me up one day screaming he was so upset because he played his new new album just for the campers and someone recorded it uh, and released oh. it and he said david can you please have them remove it and and i did you know but someone got so excited that they got the insight we're gonna be like concerts where they yeah. take your confiscate your phones and put them in little <laughs> right, I think we're gonna do that. after camp <laughs> yeah we might have to you right. know miles something else we, we i know it's not on our schedule to talk about but i was thinking about all the amazing autographs that campers have gotten at camp. Oh, yeah. And you never get to see these rock stars. They don't do autograph shows. I mean, right. I get calls all the time. Will this guy do an autograph show? There's no way that Joe Perry is going to go to an autograph show or is he going to sign 100? Like, you know, the football players, the night before a game, Joe Montana's in his room and he's bored. And Dan Marino. And these guys used to just sign footballs all day. And they got paid 100 bucks, 200 bucks an autograph. You're not going to find that in rock and roll. But the stuff that people collect at camp... Number one, we got to do a contest once because so many people have walls. Of, their houses look like hard rock. Yeah. Their studios look like the hard rock cafes. And some of them have sold their stuff to pay for the go to camp. I met one guy who said, get his guitar at camp, get it signed, and then he paid for his way. He sold it and then paid for his way to come to the next camp That's or the next smart. camp. That's right. So he was really smart. So, you know, the autographs that people have gotten camps and their personal items has been quite incredible for people. They don't even realize that what a benefit that has been. It surprises the rock stars, too. I got to be there for a couple of the signings at the last few camps. Marty Friedman, as he was signing stuff, you know, the, I mean, these are true fans that come to Rock and Roll Fantasy Camp. So he'd pick something up and go, oh, my God, I haven't seen this in 30 years. You know, it's fun for them, too. Hey, I've Tom Brady's somebody... baseball card just sold for $178,000. Wow. A baseball card. He never played baseball before, but he signed it, you know, and... I've seen somebody be like, hey, where did you find this like right. rare thing? Can I, I keep I, it? Yeah, yeah, can I keep it? I've never seen this cover of the magazine that I'm on. No? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's a fun part. And, you know, I thought that it would be fun at a camp sometime. we got to put a microphone in there as they're signing because they are telling stories about everything that oh, they're yeah. signing. And you get a real inside look at it there. I have one more piece of news that was broken at Rock Camp that we can talk about. You know, Vince Neil, he came to camp a couple years ago and we did a Q&A with him. And somebody was asking him, you know, what's the relationship like between you and the other guys in Motley Crue these days? He said at the time, actually, you know, I have really good relationships with the other guys, but me and Mick Mars don't talk at all. We're going to go ahead and listen to that clip right now. Don't really uh, talk with Mick much. Um, but uh, the other guys, yeah, we're still, still keeping in touch. Yeah, it's funny, though, because I, I have a home not too far from in the outside of Nashville, and uh, never seen him. He's just, he's just big as Mick, like in the movie. He just keeps to himself, uh, puts himself in his basement, plays guitar. 
that's something that happens with a lot of these bands. You know, the guys from Journey, for example, Neil and Jonathan, they don't talk at all, but they go out and play together in these shows every day. What's that do to the dynamic of a band if you guys aren't friends? I think it's obvious when you're on stage. I think just it's not as fun. Mm-hmm. You know, some some bands you get on stage and it's fun. And I, I know we're like that with Vixen because we all get along and we all really like each other. And people say, you guys look like you're having so much fun on stage. And I just see, I find myself just smiling, listening to your songs because it's contagious, you know. But I think you can totally see tension. I mean, the, the most tension, I, I love that clip of, I forget what year it was, but when, you know, there was tension between Stevie Nicks and Lindsey Buckingham and she's sing, singing Silver Springs. Mm-hmm. And she just goes off on him and she's like staring him down. And it's crazy because it's real life. Right. coming through the songs. And the Beach Boys, you know, we hear the stories how they, you know, went to the gigs and each had a separate bus, a separate plane, a separate, they just showed up on that stage and they knocked out those songs. But so many bands have been like that. They, they just don't like each other, but they, they, they want to share their money. Yeah, yeah. Well, they yeah. Li- you have to live with people. Like, it's, it becomes your family. They don't call it a band family for any other reason, but you're, you're with them 24-7, living on the bus, sleeping, eating together, everything, catering. And so it's like you can— Until you can get different buses. Exactly. Yeah. And, yeah. And, right. and once they right. do get those different buses, they travel different ways. Exactly. You know? so, yeah. yeah, but I mean, I mean, it happens with, like, you know, boyfriends. All of a sudden, you're like, I hate the way he chews. And, yeah. it, and all of a sudden, I can't stand this guy, and he's got to be gone. And I think that can happen with bandmates, too. David, how did travel work on the Ringo tours? Was Ringo on his own in his own travel and the rest of them together? I mean, you got a lot of stars on that. Tour, we so. used to travel with a therapist. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, Metallica I, learned from no, you. I, no, no, not at all. The way Ringo always toured is he's with them. You know, it's it's him and the band so always cool. together. He's a band, band, band. He, Love that. That's that's a fun part. But I remember when they used to come out. They've been public about twelve step meetings, and they'd walk out of a. Uh, they'd have meetings in in the dressing rooms. You know, the bands, and wow. they'd walk out and look at me like. You're the reason we're, we want to drink. You know? <laughs> <laughs> you know, that was a feeling. They were all staring at me. I, mean, I did something wrong. <laughs> but, you know, in, in general, I think that it's fun to see when bands get along. It's, it's terrible when they don't. But, yeah. it's, it's, but it's, you know, some of them have, you've had some bands that each have different managers and they show up, you know, they know the chords, they know the, they know the songs and they just show up. Whatever works, works. But I think, too, at the end of the day, like, I mean, that's the like journey, it. you know, like yeah. you said with the journey guys, you know. Right. Yeah. And money. I think bottom line, money is the biggest thing that tears people apart. And it's like just thinking, well, I did just as much. You know, that's why I think it's good when bands, if, if everybody is working equally, you know, that you split things and stuff or else it's like, how come he got this percentage? And then it's just like, you can have a great thing and it just goes down the tubes real fast. With the Beatles, it's kind of interesting because back when the Beatles were actually around and playing, I mean, the tours as we know it now weren't so much of a thing, right? They didn't hop on a bus for so many months at a time. It was more they did big shows everywhere. And they only did 30 minutes. Right, right, 30 minutes. They only did 30 minutes. No, the sound system was terrible. I think what's great about the Beatles was that while George and Ringo didn't write on the Lennon McCartney songs, it's public knowledge, but Lennon McCartney gave a percentage to, to Ringo and, and George because they felt that they helped contribute to the songs. Now, some other big bands, and I will look all nameless because I don't want to get sued here, but they didn't share. There is tension between those bandmates because it's really unfair. I'm a big believer that a band song is may, might, might not be 50-50 with the songwriters, but there's def- different collaborations or a different thing in a song that help make that song what it is. And they should get some sort of a percentage. That's caused a lot of fights in bands. Mm-hmm. 
Absolutely. Well, it'll be interesting to see what ends up. I mean, the Journey guys are a great example because they're still out there actively touring so much together, and those are guys that hate each other. So it'll well, be they interesting. Cha- they change bandmates often. They do. They definitely change bandmates often. <laughs> but then, often. you know, you got like Skid Row. People really want that reunion, but they yeah. really just don't get along, and they have said, no amount of money can make me ever get on stage with this person again. So exactly. It's, it's, and they exactly. should and they should let people change, you know. I mean, I, I, it always upset me that you talked about Bruce Kulick, but Grand Funk, I was very close with that band. I managed them for a while toward the end when they were together. Three great guys. What blew me away is that three guys could sell out Shea Stadium as fast as the Beatles. Three guys who could, I did a concert with them in Detroit. 18,000 people showed up. We did a, a tour. I did an album with them, but Bosnia. I went to Bosnia and I asked them to do a symphonic record. And just to see, you know, three guys who were amazing. And then two of them outvoted Mark Farner. Mark Farner is the lead singer of the band. I mean, how can you travel? How could that band be t- tour without Mark Farner? So they the, took it, three guys to replace him, essentially. Yeah. 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 And he's, he's amazing. And, you know, I don't want to get into politics here, but the fact that he got outvoted and he got treated the way he got treated by a band, a legendary band, is always upsetting to me. Absolutely. Well, you know, that's that happens in rock and roll all the time. I, I always think one of the reasons that these bands are so interesting to people is all the drama behind them, yes. all that history. I mean, it's like a TV show in real time. It's, um, it's a that, soap opera. Right. So we've got a lot of great topics on the docket for today. One of the things that we wanted to talk about is... Creating a vision, because Rock and Roll Fantasy Camp, like we've said before, always starts as a vision. And David, this is something you've kind of taken throughout your entire career. You have a tactic, which I think is very interesting and actually very beneficial for people, where you bring the vision to life before it's even pitched to somebody. You know, when we, when you have an idea and you go to Brit or you go to me and you say, hey, I want to I do this, we make a presentation or we make a video and all the logos of the companies we want to work with, they're already in there. I mean, that's essentially how you got Ringo originally, too. I like originally that piece too. of paper. It looks like that piece of paper. This is what he comes with. You yeah. guys can't see it, but this envelope <laughs> yeah, with his address. Yeah, show the camera. Yeah. It's yeah, a ton start, of scribbles. Yeah. It all start, that's, yeah. that's the, that's it starts the start with an camp. idea at 5 in the morning, 6 right, in the morning. Right. <laughs> yeah. Followed by emails at 5.05 in the morning. 5.05 in the morning, <laughs> yeah. right. right. Exactly. So, well, two, two people. Arnold Schwarzenegger. Let's talk about him. He gets an offer to do a movie script, and they, people would send him the script, and he'd say, I don't want to see the script i want to see the ad i want to see the commercial i want to see what how you how you project it you know how how you're going to sell it so there were these two amazing producers called golan columbus years ago what they did were two israeli very famous movie producers and they decided that they were going to a movie convention in meet them to sell movies and they would create posters charles bronson and the the other guy who all, all the the martial artists and the bruce lee yeah and they would create these posters and they would put them up at their booth and they would sell the rights to turkey and germany and italy and to the movie now if the movie rights if no one bought that poster they didn't make the movie they made the movie after they had enough people that bought the rights so they had no they had no script they had nothing just had a poster years later i learned from jerry weintraub who was a very famous producer who had hit elvis and had frank sinatra and the beach boys and during the height he had neil diamond so what he would do is he would put it together he wanted to do a, a tour of let's say beach boys chicago which was a, my first tour i ever went on he put an ad in Seattle in the newspaper, a full-page ad in the Sunday entertainment section, and he put a date in, let's say June 14th, he put the arena, and he would put tickets on sale. And he'd advertise the show. Now, if the show sold and it did great, he would book it in every city around the country. If a show didn't do well, he just didn't do that tour. So I love the vision part, and I did that when I did Dirty Dancing. I would create, I need to see what it's going to look like. So that's why I bother you with, you know, 
at five in the morning and say, can you, when you wake up, can you just see what, what a camp would look like with this and this and this? And what is the visual like? Because I, I really believe that if I could see it visually, I can imagine it happen. Right. Yeah, it's like what they do on a TV show. You storyboard it out before you get to the yeah. TV show part. It's... And, and I think, don't you do that on, with songs? And you think about songs and maybe ideas? And I don't know. I just think creating a vision is really important. And, uh, you know, my speech I did this past weekend, I talked to these people about creating the 2004 vision. Where do you want to be at the end of 2004? How much do you want to 2024. 2024, exactly. Yeah. You know, I, I'm a big vision person. Yeah. yeah, I guess with songwriting, I remember Lita Ford saying in one of our master classes, she said, it, it, you just have a half, you have to start with a great title. I always start with that. Mm. And if I have the great title, I can see the song. Like, it's, it's catchy. People want to listen to that name of that tune. Yeah, vision is important, you know, especially in our industry, in our careers, in our lives. You know, where do we want to, where do we want to be? Right, mm. right, exactly. Yeah, and uh, you know, one of the best vision stories ever, which we touched on, is, is bringing the FedEx to Ringo and and you know, putting together that whole advertisement. I mean, that is yeah, when I went to see him. I brought an ad and and I brought a, a commercial. What what the, what it would sound like, and he got excited. Right, and I've used it for corporate sponsors, and you know, even recently, now that I came back from Israel, you know, we'll talk about it later. But I I, I went to a funeral. I'll talk about it now. I went to a funeral. One of the three hostages and that was shot by the Israeli army, they didn't realize that these three people were coming and, and they were in the Gaza. And I read that the one of them that was shot was a, a drummer in a metal band. And I happened to be down there visiting the sites. And I asked the lady who showed me around, I said, appreciate you showing me around. And, and she said, well, I have to leave now, David. I'm going to a funeral. And she went to the funeral of this metal drummer. And I said, can I come? And I went. It was an interesting funeral. I never saw it before. But, you know, in Israel, they, they play music. And the brother got up there and did a drum solo. And then his mother took the sticks and threw it in, the, in his grave. And I got so touched by it, you know. And I said, I gotta, if I could have brought this guy to rock camp and given him the experience of, you know, jamming with Tommy Aldridge, how amazing it would be. And, you know, it, it really helps, too, when you get all of this stuff together beforehand. It brings you above the noise, like that famous Shep Gordon line. What is what is that line? What is the the story of above the noise? And well, what does well that Britt, mean? Well, Britt did five, six master classes with Shep. Talk about it. I think, you know, you guys really got along great and talked a lot about being successful in this business. Yeah, yeah. Shep is amazing. That was really incredible to hear all his stories and his wisdom. But, you know, it's about making a splash, getting somebody to notice you. You know, he talked about, you know, a show not selling well, so he hired eight guys to turn over a truck. And I, I One of my favorite stories. Yeah, yeah. So well, Alice is booked in, in London, and he's playing the London Palladium. Four shows. And tickets are dismal. You know, not nothing. So Shep decides he's going to hire eight guys and re rent a truck, and he had it painted on it, America's greatest rock and roll star, Alice Cooper. Yeah. And he took the, they, they took the truck at 6 o'clock in the morning uh, to, Tr to Trafalgar Square, great point in London and they when no one was looking they turned the truck over and they caused such a havoc with traffic but that night on the news America's greatest rock and roll star Alice Cooper's truck broke down on Trafalgar Square and caused havoc all over London he sold out all four shows yeah. <laughs> you can't pay for that advertising you can't pay for that but I remember yeah. getting on a plane once and years ago and I'm sitting next to me this beautiful young actress and, and she introduced herself Mr. Fishoff I just wanted to say that I flew on the plane I heard you were flying to LA and she, she was able to get on a, you know back then you could call and find out where someone was sitting and they would tell you and whatever excuse it was she hands me her movie script and 
And I said, well, I don't do movies. You know, she wrote a script. She wanted to star in the movie. She would look at some of the producer film. That's above the noise. Right. Wow. right. I had a fun flight, but, you know, I felt bad for her. She had to fly six hours back. And But it was great. But I like that. I, I like when you do things that are different, you know. And I was telling these insurance people, I FedEx Ringo a, a letter saying, I want to put you on tour. Anything to get above the noise. Desmond Child, he talks about he sold his first song by going out to a tour bus and bringing a box of chocolates and cookies that his mother made, and then he gave him the song. And whatever it takes for you to get to somebody today, it, you can get to anybody. Right. Anybody. Well, Jason Flom, who is the head of Lava Records, he did a masterclass with Britt when we were doing the Zoom masterclasses uh, over COVID. And he was really great. He talked about how he's seen different artists get above the noise. He talked about Lord, who's a big artist. He signed Lord originally because he got an email and, you know, he said, oh, I get thousands of emails every day of artists submitting stuff. And this one stood out to him. And, you know, maybe this is maybe she didn't even mean to get above the noise with this. But the subject said, hot shit, unsigned artist from New Zealand. You have to hear this. And, you know, every other submission he had gotten was just new artist, new artist. This is my song. This is my song. Even something that small that just kind of goes, wait a second, hot shit unsigned artist from New Zealand, that made him look, okay, I'm going to click on that one. So even just the way that you present yourself mm -hmm. from an initial thing can get you above. I think that's so important right now, especially because everything's so oversaturated with all the social media. There's so many outlets. You can just see so much all at once. So what is going to take your attention? What's going to make you get drawn into a certain a certain person like that? Exactly. Uh, you know, at the songwriting camp, I was so specific. I wanted to get out of all these people, including Desmond. These people, you write a great song. There's a lot of great stuff. But how do I get the song in front of people? And, you know, I know like on Billboard, they have a list of who the top producers are. Well, find their addresses. Send them the, the music. I mean, I, one of the, my favorite stories was I saw on, on Good Morning America, they interviewed the lady who wrote Celine Dion's single, her last album. And they said to her, how did you get that song? She said, I found out who the producer was. I sent them the song. And they listen to it. Producers do listen to music. They, that's how they get ideas. Yeah. They played it and they played it to Celine. She liked the song. She recorded it. And then they called her up and said, do you have any more? And she had two songs on the last album. So that's what's so great about rock and roll and about show business. You, It's like winning a lottery ticket. It's, it's right. easy to win a lottery ticket if you play the game and you understand to be above the noise and to get to, you can get to anyone, anybody in this business just whatever it takes. Find out if they're a Celtic fan. Find out if they're what they like, you know, and then and get, and get to them. Yeah, and take risks. Don't be worried about what they're going to think. Yeah, who yeah. cares? Yeah. Right, that's a big one. Who yeah. cares just what they think? take the risk. you got nothing yeah. to lose. Nothing Another to thing lose. Jason Flom said in that master class was, you know, we're at a point now where everybody, everything is so digital, it actually can get you above the noise if you send a physical piece of mail, make a crazy box, paint the box, you know, all interesting or something. I mean... Right, because who gets mail these days? Exactly, yeah. right? The, that'll get opened. FedEx is... And, yeah. I thought Jason Flom's masterclass was brilliant. It was. It was, amazing. It it was, was amazing. one of the my, my favorites. It was and actually one of the only ones I took notes during. It yeah, was that I yeah, that, yeah, that too. Yeah, yeah that was yeah. an honor to have him because not only is he a rights person, you know, for, for people that are imprisoned, and he, he does so much good mm -hmm. for the. His father was a, a great lawyer, yeah. also a big music lawyer. But the fact that he, Greta Van Fleet, you yep. know, that's his band. And he always comes up with new, new ways to promote his bands. Right. He's a great example of, you know, I thought his class was here. And what's so great for us was you were live with a record produce, with a, with a, with a president of a record label. And the questions, I sent my song in and, and he said, okay, don't worry. I'm going to look it up. And he wrote down notes and then he, you know, he, he looked it up for a second. He said, well, you know, the artist is 32 years old and 
that's not why I had interest in the age. Right. <laughs> that's right. He was so honest. And yeah. and how cool was it when one person just said, "Will you listen to my song right now and tell me what you think?" And he actually did. Yeah. yeah. And he yeah. was like, and he gave real time feedback. You're talking to a, a CEO of a record label, and you got him there listening to your song. Yeah. I mean, even you know, you can't put a price of admission on that. We no. did, but you can't. <laughs> right. You can't. Yeah. That that was amazing. Jason Flum was awesome, and I mean, all of these master classes, you got to figure out a way to just release all of them because we're they're do them on this. On this and, you know, another thing talking about people that, you know, their last appearance ever was at Rock Camp. We have master classes where their last appearance was speaking on, on the master class. Yeah, it was Tony, Tony Lewis. Lewis. Yeah, Tony, Tony Lewis, Lewis yeah. from the outfield. He had his last ever and I, public I, appearance. Was Leslie West one of the last? Leslie West. You know, yes. Uh, oh, well. I loved Leslie West. You know, Leslie West, he, he, came to, he loved Rock Camp. And, you know, it was because of him that we got The Simpsons because he was talking to Stern. Howard Stern about the, and then, you know, and then the people from the, from the Simpsons heard it. But Leslie West, I mean, he always did the camp. He loved camp. And even the years when he was ill, you know, and he had his, his leg, he came in his wheelchair and he played. And I'm, because I just love that man. He was a great yeah. guy. Leslie Weinstein, he knew that my brother was, my brother was a crazy mountain fan. So we used to laugh a lot, Leslie. And he was a local guy in New Jersey. So, Great guy, yeah. And then he passed not long after, though. We had that interview yeah. with him. So yeah. I wonder if That's that right. was one of the last ones. That probably wow. was the last thing he yeah. did. Yeah, last thing he did from Florida. And and real quick, speaking of Howard Stern, just because there's a great clip that went out in the last two years. It's been all over the internet from Howard Stern of when Mark Farner and a bunch of the rock star counselors from Rock and Roll Fantasy Camp went on the Howard Stern show. They played some grand funk songs. And if you look at the comments on the Howard Stern show video, everybody's going, wait a second, when did Kip Winger and Mark Slaughter play in Grand Funk Railroad? Like, what is this? Wow. It's really, you know, then there's a few people going, oh, this was during Rock and Roll Fantasy Camp. I mean, it brought together an all-star band. You got to check it out. Mark Farner on the Howard Stern show. That was really something. But yeah, Jason Flom's masterclass really was in a way, a masterclass on getting above the noise because that is the most important thing in the industry. It's really hard to just get in front of the right How people. do I get my song out there? Yeah. How do I get the right person to exactly. make it a hit? And you never know, you know, that's the thing we've said on multiple podcasts now. You never make any promises at Rock and Roll Fantasy Camp. I've gotten numerous calls over the last week of, you know, what is this going to do for my career afterwards? It's, well, we don't guarantee that. Nobody can guarantee what's going to happen to your career afterwards. That's up to you. But, you know, you can come spend four days in front of all the people that have done it and made it happen and take what you take out of it at the end. Yeah. I think that's really the big thing is coming to camp. Same with Comedy Fantasy Camp. You're not necessarily going to get famous because you come to the camp, but we've seen get, it happen where I it can help. That, yeah. Unbelievable information. Yeah, yeah, and I think that's what some people misunderstand, too, about getting things out. They think, if I just get it to the right person. But no, it's actually you. You have to do the legwork. You actually have to make it yourself. Right. Luck is when preparation meets opportunity. Exactly. You know, you got to really prepare, whether it's playing your instrument. I mean... We talk about, you know, how many people tell you they're great musicians, but, you know, Britt, you probably play your instrument four or five hours a day. People do, if you're a professional, you have to play that instrument all the time. Right. And, you know, if you're working in an office all day, you can't do that. Yeah. As a musician, so, yeah, you sit, you probably sit and watch the TV and just, you know, shred. That's that's what you got to do when you're at that level, right? Joe Walsh, I remember him your... five hours a day, you know, in his basement just playing his instrument. Yeah. Yeah. Right. yeah. yeah. How do, how My do you mom, keep when your... she calls me, it's like I never have downtime, but when she calls, I'm always noodling. She's like, can you put that down for five seconds? I'm like... You called my only window. I got yeah, it. I got yeah, it. Stuck. So I'm sorry. Yeah, I was going to ask is that, you know, you've got an interesting situation in which you're, you play in, in Vixen in a band that tours and does shows actively, but you also work with David. You know, a lot of your time goes to that. So, how do you make sure to keep your chops up? Does it all come down to noodling or, or, 
Yeah, I mean, unfortunately, I sometimes lately I haven't been able to play every day, but you know, and then, and then you you find out as you get older too, like oh, I like to go on hikes. I like to leave the house. When I was in high school, I didn't mind staying in my room for eight hours and shutting the door and not seeing the light of day or missing dinner, or whatever. But it's like that's what it took. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So things change, and you just have to accept that. Like you go through different phases where it's, you, sometimes you'll play a lot this month, maybe next month you you don't as much. But then there's always that cram session right before the gig, which I'm about to do tonight <laughs> because I've got a gig coming up this weekend. So it doesn't, it's not like the set list is just ingrained in you still. You you have to make sure you're rehearsing a little bit before yeah, you get out for a gig. Yeah. Well, you know, it's it's muscle memory, but you got to warm up the muscles. And, and sometimes I find like, wow, if I haven't played all week, like when I do run the full set, my hands are tired and like right. fatiguing halfway through. So I'm like, I got to get these back in shape. It's like, it's like being an athlete. It's like a sport. Yeah, well, I, I can't relate to that. But, but <laughs> Interesting. Um, I feel that my Pilates class, if I don't do it one week, it feels right. tougher. Right. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. Good no, point. it's definitely Good true. Point. So yeah, lots of ways that you can get above the noise in the industry and you know coming to rock and roll fantasy camp could be one of them it's not promised but you never know as it as it could be i wanted to talk about the vault a little bit because we're pulling all this great stuff from the vault i mean we have so many great clips coming out and there's still so many in there it's hard because every rock star you know you have an hour of content from each rock star how do you get it all out there which one day we will but i pulled something from the vault here where Mancow, your good friend Mancow, came to Rock and Roll Fantasy Camp. Mancow, you know, great legendary radio host from Chicago. And he got up on stage and he interviewed Rob Halford and Richie Faulkner live at Rock and Roll Fantasy Camp. It's never been released to the public. I think it aired once on his radio show live, and that was it. Nobody's ever heard it since then. You were nervous. Oh, yeah, I still, I still do, yeah. If I, didn't, if I didn't have a little bit of apprehension before each show, I, I think I wouldn't be in, in touch with myself, you know. I mean, it's just, I mean, that's, that's, that's part of, of knowing that you're, you're still living it and you still want it and you're still hungry for it, you know. You don't, never take it for granted, man. Never take it. Once you start taking things for granted, I think you can get sloppy. So always be, you know, be aware of what you're going to try and do. Britt, you can probably talk to that. You've played huge crowds. Do you still get that feeling before you go up? Yeah, you know, sometimes you do. I mean, if you drink enough whiskey, you don't, but in general, you do. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, because it's always like, it, it's because we care, too. You know, it's and Rob cares. He always delivers a great show. So it's like you you want to do your best, and so you, you're always like, there's a little the demon inside of you all the time saying, like, you're not going to be good. You can't do this. I think everybody has that. And it's it's about just, like, flicking that off and just being like, okay. But you, you do have that. And then sometimes there's technical difficulties. When you have big stage shows like that, sometimes you think, oh, I hope the pyro goes off in the right place. And yeah. I, I hope it doesn't. Yeah. You, there's a lot to think about. A lot of moving parts in those big arena shows. You know, I just did a, a speech this past week and on Friday. And... Every time I moved, the stage moved. <laughs> oh, my God. You know, you're in the middle of a speech, and all of a sudden you make a little move, and all of a sudden that stage is shaking, you know? Right. So, yeah, you, you know, you get nervous. You know, people can accept it, you know? That's why I always like to open up with a good joke so that I can see if I can get to the audience right away. But, yeah, I think anyone who gets up on stage, whether they're speaking, whether they're performing, they're, they're, they're nervous. And if they're not, something's wrong, you know, because you, you, you're anxious to see what your response is going to be, too, you know? That's what I tell all the campers that are nervous on the Zoom calls before camp. I just say, if yeah, if you weren't nervous, there'd be something wrong with you. Cause yeah, it, it would mean you just didn't really care. Or yeah, it, it really, it comes down to that. You wanna you wanna be good. You wanna do great. You wanna impress people. You wanna impress yourself. Well, it's scary to get on stage for the first time. Let alone when you add in you have Sebastian Bach next to you when you're getting up on stage. <laughs> yeah, for yeah the first time. That, those final shows. You yeah. know, I talked about that and speaking that, they, but getting being brave because we're gonna record those shows, and you're up there on that stage at the whiskey or at the troubadour. 
That's that's scary to people. Absolutely. And, but and, it's a know, good scare. And, and people, I've seen people really beat themselves up after, oh, I made a mistake in this part of the song. Even the biggest bands in the world are still making mistakes on stage, right? Has, oh, always. Yeah. It's just a matter of Unless if anybody notices or not. But yeah. no, everybody, in every show, there's always a mistake somewhere. I love that in the film, the way you, you, Sammy Hagar talks about Roger Dolce and Robert Plant and, and all the nervous moves that they make and, you know, that they're 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 nervous, you yeah. know, they're, they're full well, he's flicking the mic years ago. Now it's become a way of, you know, way Roger shows. But I got to, you know, he says, these people are nervous. We're all nervous on that stage. Yeah. Nerves are part of being a performer, I guess, you know. And it gives you that energy to, to sometimes the nerves make you hit that high note. Like, you know, it, right. it yeah. makes you play faster. It gives you that adrenaline boost that, again, is used in sports and stuff like that. Well, and I, you're not going to get that anywhere else, you know. Oh, absolutely, you know, than getting on that stage, you know, you can people can sit in their houses and play guitar all day and get a guitar lesson, but to be in a band and get on that right. stage, and, and well, that's an, it's an addicting. It's like an adrenaline junkies. That's yeah. why also people continue to tour even though they don't need the money. It's like they want that rush of being on that stage. You can't get that anywhere else. It's an addiction. It's like yeah. Well, I'm curious to see. I mean, a band like Kiss. We're going to see the Gene Simmons band pop up soon and the Paul oh, Stanley absolutely. band because they Paul can't Stanley, stay off the no, road. Paul no Stanley's one can stay be, off the road. You know, they, they, a lot of these musicians have their other projects that they really want to do. I mean, Paul loves that soul music, you know? Yeah. yeah. He's going to want to do that with horns and everything yeah. like and that. Teddy was playing in that. Teddy Zigzag, yeah. who's a counselor at Rock Camp, he was playing with them for a while. And yeah, you know, that's always the exciting part, too, is, is to see these bands go out and take... Like, you get a guy like Paul Stanley, you meet Teddy at Rock and Roll Fantasy Camp, you might have a connection to a Paul Stanley show in a couple of weeks coming up. It's like what we were talking about with Doogie earlier. But nerves are important, and I'm mm. glad we're tackling that because the biggest fear people have is coming to camp is that nerves. You know, here I am, type A, I'm, I run my business, I'm successful, and all of a sudden now I'm going to be doing something I'm not successful with. And, mm -hmm. you know, I remember when I first started Rock Camp for years, it was mind-boggling to me how I could be successful running tours and managing artists, and now I'm trying to do this whole new business and it's not working. I remember getting a book called by this guy Goldsmith. What brought, what got you here, won't get you there. It was it's one of the most greatest books I ever read because you automatically think if I'm successful in doing one thing, another thing I'm, I'm going to be successful at. But it's really hard. And and I think the challenges, and that's what I I wanted to mention is that I love the people that come to camp as a guitar player the first year, and then they come back as a bass player, or they come back as a vocalist, as yeah. you saw in the movie. She, you know, she wanted to yeah, try something Tammy. different. So the fact that people are willing to get out of their comfort zone is always very exciting. And the great thing is you can grow. You have to grow as an adult. You know, you just have to grow. And Rock Camp's a great place to really have some major growth. And you, you miss 100% of the shots you don't take. So what do you have to lose? Right, right. Like right, right exactly. thinking about it, that regret. There Regret feels worse than any kind of failure. Hey, I'm the first one to regret. I didn't go to Michael Jordan fantasy camp because I was nervous. <laughs> I'm not going to play one-on-one with Michael Jordan and look like an idiot. Yeah, okay? Yeah. Or three-on-three -three with a bunch of guys. So, And I regret it to this day. You know, so I, I totally get when people say I'm nervous, but don't get nervous. It's it's probably the greatest thing in your life. You right. know, I want to say I was very nervous for my first rock and roll fantasy camp as a counselor. Mm. And I had this fear. I'm kind of type A and I, I like things to be perfect. And I like to rehearse. I just know that practice makes perfect. So I like to practice. I like to know the set list in advance. I like to know. And I was so nervous about the jams. So after moving to L.A., you know, I got into a lot of the, the jams 
around town, but that wasn't a common thing in Boston. And I had an experience that where you just get up, somebody just calls you up, and you may or may not know the chord progression, and you just follow along. And that freaked me out. I was so, so nervous. And that's what Rock Camp taught me, that you just you just go for it, and you just you, you don't say no. You never say no. You never just, say you no, fake right. fake it till you make it. Fake it till you make and, it, uh, Oh, and one thing I learned, if you play a wrong note, sometimes I'd be like, ooh, like make a face, like, oh my God, like, oh, an embarrassed face. But if you just smile through it, half the time nobody knows anyways and there's no wrong in music i mean it's like art there's nothing that could be wrong in a painting and as they say too you know if you hit a wrong note slide up or down one fret you know either way and then it's the right note or do it three times and then it's and then it's supposed to be there but that really the campers helped me with that more than anything you know joe walsh your one of your favorites yeah and his appearance at rock camp you can find it on youtube he's jamming with a camper he decided that his appearance was going to be, he brought all the, about five guitar players on, on stage. I, think he, I don't know if he brought five or whatever he did, but he turned to the guitar player in the middle of a song, and he said, now it's your turn to do a, a solo. And then another person, and one guy froze. The guy just froze, you know. Joe said, wait a minute, you got to fake it. You know, you got to, he says, we all make mistakes. He says, we fake it. You know, you got to act like you're really into it and you make a mistake. So he really gave these people the confidence that, you know, people, we, we make mistakes doing live shows. And, uh, you know, the same thing with the Def Leppard guys and the, the Jewish priest, you know, they say in the film, we make mistakes. Exactly. You know? So it's okay to make mistakes. Well, I had I had Derek Sherinian as a counselor once. He came, who he's, he had played in Dream keyboard Theater, player, yeah, yeah. keyboard player. He said, hey, do you want to do a bass solo while we play up there? And I'd never done a bass solo before in my life, and I was kind of terrified. I was like, I don't know, what if I hit a wrong note or something? And he goes, if you hit a wrong note, hit it again. People will think it's the right note. It's just you know, it's <laughs> yeah. just it's just a matter of selling it. It really is matter of selling it. It's great. Yeah, right. it would like with everything in life. Listen, guys, I, I just checked the time, and who knew we are way over the time that we have of this studio. We there's, love to talk. We can talk about. Yeah, this we forever. can talk about a lot of yeah, things. There's, Good. There's so much to talk about in Rock and Roll Fantasy Camp. Of course, as always, RockCamp.com to find out more. Make sure you're on our newsletter because that's the best way you can find out about upcoming camps before everyone else. And really. Tuesday nights masterclass with Britt. I see they're coming in now. Yes, yeah, you, so you know, can find the link to sign up for that free class just get sign up get the zoom link off of eventbrite you can find the link for that on rockcamp.com the homepage. and then also if you're interested in other master classes we have rockcampmasterclasses.com yeah. which we'll be we'll be adding more soon because we we're adding a whole new lineup of counselors for before each camp that we release so and make Great. sure you write to miles yeah yeah miles we want to hear camp. from you yeah miles at rockcamp.com we'd love to hear from you stories from the camp ideas for the podcast if you have a daughter that's you know, yeah, yeah. <laughs> single daughter single in her you know early to mid 20s yeah, make sure to make sure to hit me up. All right, great. Thanks so much for listening, guys. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett.
Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any fantasy points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that fantasy points has to offer. That's fantasypoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at fantasy points. Fantasypoints.com code Pantheon. Score more fantasy points. 